Sterling's got from the east to the west. Make you laugh your lungs out of your chest. Rolling up, cause it's time to go. And take another hit of this episode. This is another episode of the Comedy Reject Podcast brought to you by TaylorMadeRadio.ca and produced by Matt Olix. Let's begin the show. Yo, people, man. Oh, fuck. There's so much to talk about. Where do I even begin? First off, whoo, what a sigh of relief. I have completed the toughest, I'd say the toughest five weeks I've ever had to go through in my career. I had to um, put together and record a new album. I had to um, record and put together a television set, a brand new television set for national television. And then I had to do another brand new set for CBC debaters for national radio. And then I had to do another set for the Just for Laughs Originals uh, comedy album. And I did all of that during a pandemic where I didn't get stage time to work on any of that. Woo! So, wow. You know what I mean? I don't like to do it often, but you know what? That's a pat on my own back, yo. Because that was like... Look, man, like I told you guys, I'm a great boss and a terrible employee. And to have to have kept up with all that shit was insane. But um, the last one uh, was uh, at uh, Calgary Yucks. And um, that was the Just for Laughs uh, Originals comedy album. And uh, I was nervous the entire the entire time. I mean, I was working on jokes while driving in the car you know what it is to work on bits you know how crazy i must have looked driving to calgary and mouthing out words and making act outs while driving by myself in the car i must have looked like a damn lunatic but i was doing it because uh i was trying to put together uh, a set of jokes like here's the thing you can't there are no you don't get the opportunity in comedy to have bad days. Nobody cares about, uh, you know, everything that I went through and how much I've been going through and what stage time I got or whatever. All they care about is the final product. Did you get the job done when you were on stage? Nobody cares about your bad day um, when you get on stage if you're not funny. And so... Um, I had to just make sure that when I showed up that, you know what I'm saying, I delivered to the reputation and standards of what I believe of myself. And unfortunately, I've given up so much material. Like, my album's 45 minutes. My performance on uh, Winnipeg Comedy Festival was 12 minutes. Uh, my material for the debaters was another six minutes and this jfl album one was 10 minutes so that's 10 16 uh 26 28 28 and 45 that's like 70 73 minutes all right i know somebody's probably out there like what an idiot he made it made a mistake i don't give a shit the point is 73 minutes of material that i had to put together 
produce and put on a national and international level that's going to represent me forever. And to be honest, man, I uh, I pulled it off, kids. I pulled it off. I think I did a good job. Um, the last set I was really proud of um, for the Just for Laughs Originals album. I think you guys are really going to love the jokes on that. And um, again, I was preaching the word of Sterling Records. And I got to admit my, to my dedicated 40, you guys would be surprised, man. Um I would say uh, the number has gone up. Uh, I had two more comedians over the last few days approach me uh, about uh, the possibility of recording with Sterling Records. And I'm telling you, man, uh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited because uh, one is that um, I think it's great that the producer of this podcast uh, once in that, once again, is Matt Olex. This guy is so good at what he does that he brought the level of the quality of the recording to a whole other level. That where comedians who are skeptical of the fact that I mean, well, let's be honest, it's me uh, with my own record label. You wouldn't. I'm not exactly known as the most responsible guy. People, all right. They found me in alleys before drunk. It's not exactly the guy you're going to trust for uh creating something that's going to represent you forever and rightfully so i get it but like the quality of the production like what i've been taught and what i learned and then what i was able to give to him based on instructions um has made a lot of comedians see that oh my god this guy really does have the potential of creating really great albums like if you've got good material and a good crowd I'm going to make your album sound better than anything there is on the market right now. And uh, I'm really happy about that. I'm looking forward to 2021 because everybody that's talking to me about their albums is looking to record in the new year. Of course, everybody's looking for uh, things to change with COVID laws because COVID laws keep getting more. We're getting, we're in the second wave. Of course, you guys know that we're in the second wave and you know what I mean? Restrictions keep getting put on us. I had to cancel a lot of shows uh, myself personally uh, because if you don't have a restaurant license, you can't have a private event with over 15 people. And of course, if I having a show with 15 people, I ain't going to make no money and I can't afford to pay all my comics. Um, so, you know, um, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's exciting. It's exciting. And, uh, I'm also looking forward to the ability of teaching, um, everybody, everything that I know. And a lot of people would say that that's a stupid business model, that if I'm giving away the info and I'm, you know, empowering everybody, how am I going to make money? Well, I'm going to make money off of my album. You know what I'm saying? That's how it should be. I should be benefiting from the fruits of my labor, not profiting off the backs of other artists. And so um, when I, if anybody chooses to record with me, again, I'm only going to take a very small percentage, which I'm then going to use to pay to promote and put on the shows in your album and create it. Um, and then... Uh, after that, you know, after a few years, if you want to buy it back, buy it back, take it back. Um, if my company fails, 
it means that the comedians that work with me succeeded because it means that they're making money off of their album and I'm not. And uh, that's a win for me. And if they choose to continue to work with me, fine. That's great. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the money that I'm going to make uh, profit-wise from the record label is going to go right back into producing and putting on shows for future artists. So basically what I want to do is get to the point where um, uh, I could use the money from the record label and pay and promote and put on an entire show and stack the crowd just for that person. And then that person gets to record their album, they crush, you know what I mean, and they see success. And then I would be able to then use again the profits from the next album and the next album and the next album, all to produce and put on for somebody else in the future. So uh, I'm looking forward to this. Um, and again, I forgot to even add to the list that I also, yeah, submitted for the Juno. And I'm not going to lie, guys. Uh, I'm really excited. Uh, fingers crossed because, of course, there's no guarantees in this world. But I will say um, I genuinely believe that this is my best album that I've ever put out. And here's the funny thing. This is my best album, and I don't think it has the best jokes on it. It's just the way it was written, the way it was produced, the way it sounds. Everything about it is like, I mean, give it a listen. If you haven't already, give it a listen. And for those of you, you know, having trouble finding it, the reason why you're having trouble finding it is because I wrote uh, my name is Sterling V. Scott, and uh, they think it's a different artist. So look up Sterling V. Scott Corporate Clean on any of your major streaming services, and you should find the album and give it a listen. See what I'm talking about. Pull up somebody else's album, then pull up my album, anybody. Just pull up any random famous person or anybody you like or any album that you enjoy listening to, and then listen to mine. And you will hear there's a significant difference in the recording uh, of the quality of it. And um, I think that, you know, with the way it sounds, the listening ability of it, and the fact that, honestly, it's kind of interesting that it's because it's not vulgar, because it's not abrasive, it makes it an easier listen. And I'm honestly thinking uh, to do a double album next in the next two years where one is clean and one is dirty you know what i'm saying and just put that out and um uh, I, I mean i'm thinking about it but um now that all of that is said and done there is no sleep for the hustler you got to get back to work so now uh i'm working on new jokes and so I'm starting uh, with, I've got, how many jokes do I got? One, two, three, four, uh, five. I got about five new bits. Now, when I say new, um, they're not new, new, like brand new ideas. They're like old ideas that I've tried on stage once or twice before that they had some legs, 
but I never developed them. Like I never gave them a chance to to grow. Um, like some of you guys who've been to my show, you know my joke, uh, the idea of, uh, you know, should I should I ruin it for you guys? Should I start talking you guys through some of the bits? All right, here's a bit that I want to work on. I want to work on a bit. I'm working on a bit where it's talking about being older, right? Like everybody makes it sound like being older is a bad thing. But like, nah, I'm not going to fucking do it. I'm not going to work bits with you guys on the pod. I should. I should, but I shouldn't set it up like that. I should be using the podcast to work my bits, but I shouldn't set it up like that. But you know what? I'm, fuck it. I'm not going to leave you guys on a cliffhanger like that. What kind of dickhead move is that? Let me just do at least one. All right? Um, like people complain about, like, make fun of being older. And I'm like, I think that being older is an amazing thing. Because I'm old. As I get older, I look at the young people and I'm like, look, young people may think that being old sucks. But I've been young. They've never been old. So it's like, there's things that young people do that as you get older, you realize how stupid it is. So, like, as an older person, you're looking at younger people like, you guys are fucking idiots. And, you know what I mean? Like, young people think, uh, you know, young young people, young people uh, wait in lines to go to clubs. That's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Like, they actually keep you outside and you will stand in line so that you can then be inside with the same people that you were waiting in line with. And it's like, why don't you just go to the bar that's empty? They, they sell liquor in there. And it's like, no, but I want to be in the crowded room with people that I'm never going to talk to. It's like, I don't, I don't even wait in lines for bathrooms. Like, if there's a line for the bathroom in the club, I'm going to shit on the dance floor. That's what I'm doing. I don't give a fuck. I don't care. Don't make lines for me. All right? I don't want to see no lines. And uh, I'm not waiting in them. So, I mean, that's why probably I don't do cocaine because I hate lines. Um, <laughs> that was so hacky. Um, but, like, stuff like that. Like, uh, I, I'm glad that uh, some of you guys right now are listening to this and being like, that doesn't sound too funny because uh, this is the creative process. This is where it begins with it's a lump of clay. Like, those sent, those words I just said now is the embodiment of the lump of clay. And... Uh, the the goal as the artist is to shape it into Michelangelo with a black guy's dick. And uh, <laughs> that's uh, what's going to happen. You know what I mean? You guys are going to come to a show and you're going to hear me talking about uh, being older. And you're going to be like, oh, that's the joke that he fucking did on the podcast that sucked. And then after I tell it, you'll be like, there's Michelangelo with a black guy's dick. And the joke will be um, funny or it may not be. That's a very high possibility. It could just end up sucking. And then, um, you know what I mean? It goes back into the pile of clay next to uh, that white lady from Ghost. I don't know. But um, this is the creative process, people. So I'm starting over. It's November 2020. And I want to retire all of my material. I don't want to do none of the material um, that I've done to date unless it's a paid gig where I have to, you know what I'm saying, d deliver a quality performance. But in terms of, um, 
uh, creating this new hour, it's going to be rough. It's always rough in the beginning. If you're a comedian listening to this podcast, do not be afraid of the process. Do not be afraid of the bomb. Do not be afraid to create and do not be afraid to try to be better than yourself. Because a lot of times comedians get a solid hour and then they're afraid to stray from it. And in doing so, they only, their quality and content of the material, their style, their ability, they decline, right? In order to maintain uh, a sharp blade, you, you can't, you, you know what I'm saying? You, you, when the blade, when you're using that blade, you, you know what I mean? Your jokes being the blade, it'll get dull. And new jokes is the steel sharpening steel that keeps that blade, keeps that wit sharp. The minute you become comfortable in comedy is the minute that you begin to die. You must always remain uncomfortable. And uh, starting out with five jokes is uncomfortable as shit because um, I've got some new shows coming up. I'm trying. I'm trying. We'll see. I don't know. I don't like doing comedy shows with club promoters very often not that i have anything against my club promoters i love them i work with them they're great people it's that the the vibe and the energy are two different things people that are coming out to the club um are all about themselves they want to be the stars they want to be the points of interest everything is about them that is directly conflicting with a comedy show where you have to be submissive to the person on stage. You have to let them be the star in order for the room to enjoy the show. This is why bachelorette parties are the anti-comedy because the minute that they walk in the room and it's, it's my birthday or it's my bachelorette party, woo, penis cups, uh, that shit is where they're celebrating and all the attention is surrounding for them. That is pulling from what's happening on the stage. Now, in the club crowds, it's exactly the same. It's a bunch of people who came out to while out, to talk, to socialize. And now you're going to be put in a situation where it's like, I need you not to talk at all. Turn out the lights. No one pay attention to you. Everybody look at me. And um, a lot of the times these shows bomb. A lot of the time, these people will come to a free show, okay? Let's get this correct. A free show and then uh, complain about the quality of the comedy. Now, for me, that's insane. If you're going to go to a free comedy show, a free comedy show, nobody's getting paid, yet you're going to compare them. You'll hear it all the time. Oh, you're not as funny as insert ridiculously famous comedian that when you go to their show, the ticket costs $150. You know what I'm saying? You pay $150 to come see me. I promise you I'm going to fucking knock the shit out the park. But uh, they'll pay $150 to go see a comedian and then be like, yeah, uh, you know what I mean? That's a good comic. And it's like, no, you paid $150. They're going to put on a good show. You're paying for $5 fucking tequila shots and you got in free. You're going to get whatever the fuck you get served. And um, 
so it's like they have this entitled kind of attitude. Um, they tend to not give the comedians a chance. Uh, they give up on the on the show. They're too invested in themselves. Um, a pure comedy crowd where it's like we're only promoted by comedian promoters and the crowd is straight uh, comic crowd who just comes out to see comedy. They are excellent for amateur nights because they understand the process that, hey, this is a process. This guy is working on it's comedy is the only fucking uh, only art form that you have to work on while being judged. Like as you're working on like, is this the right note? Imagine a guitarist being like, all right, it's the guitar open mic. And the first five minutes of their set is them just tuning up the mic, the, 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 the guitar, right? That's what we're doing. We're literally tuning the guitar. We got to get the sound right. Then you got to work the riff. How do you like that? Huh? How you like it? You don't get to see that process with any other art form. With plays, they rehearse, 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 rehearse in private until they come into the flight. But comedy, we have to fail in front of you to find out if it's good or not. And that is uh, uh, what makes this art form so different and difficult and yet at the same time why I love it so much. We're editing live. We are walking that tightrope every day no fucking net. That's just how it is for us. And a lot of people who are not comedy savvy, uh, which is the club crowd, um, tend to not understand the beauty in what you're watching. You're watching an idea formulate day after day into what will one day become a phenomenal joke. So I'm going to try because I only have four days so if you're in Edmonton, you guys are either going to be watching this show uh, or you're going to hear about this late because the podcast is going to come out on the same day. But uh, November 12th will be my very first. I'm teaming back up with Edmonton's own DJ Invincible from Invincible Events. Vince, I know you're not listening, but what up? Um, we used to work together many years ago. Um for anybody who's ever been to a comedy show of mine back in the day when I used to run bottle service, like I used to do comedy shows on a Wednesday, then take all the comedians that were on the show, put them in two booths and give them free bottles uh, for performing at the show at a club. Like, and that's when I used to work with Vince. I would always, me and Vince would always be good like that. I would bring over, you know, 30 people. He would provide me with two booths and two bottles. And you know what I'm saying? It was a beautiful marriage. It was great. And so we're doing that because we're combining with Latin night. So, like, it'll be the comedy show first. Um, the doors open at 7. Uh, the show begins at 8. And we're finished at 10. And then we move on to the Latin night um, from 10 till 2 a.m. So um, it is a restaurant. It is going to be socially distant. Everyone's going to be sitting in their little areas and stuff. And uh, it'll be interesting. We'll see how it works out. We'll see how it works out. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. Because um, if it works out, then uh, we can have another weekly show here in Edmonton. And right now, 
um, a lot of the comedy shows are closing down. We only got the clubs. Uh, like I think one of the clubs does an amateur night. And out of the three clubs in the city, I only work at one of them. And the one that I work at does not have an amateur night. The other two, fuck those clubs. And then we've got um, the God Sent uh, Grindstone Theater. If you live in Edmonton, uh, the Grindstone Theater is an amazing place to go out and support because um, they are a lot like me. They're about the art. They're about the people. So they're very uh, closely in tune with improv and sketch groups and stand-up comedians. And they're just a phenomenal place to uh to go and perform at and um so um shout out to the grindstone theater thank you guys so much um but the grindstone theater is only one place you know what i'm saying i know that uh unfortunately the other thursday show um got shut down uh that's black dog underdog uh run by uh simon gorsak and adam dick um uh, I guess because they didn't have a restaurant license downstairs. I don't know. Whatever the reason is, I'm sorry to hear that it got shut back down. And um, uh, 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 Leif, I believe he has a Thursday show as well on White Ave uh, at Black Bar. And uh, it should be it should be still going. But if it's not, well... Um, I'm sorry to hear that. And then there's going to be this show starting on this, this uh, Thursday, the 12th. And we'll see. We're going to see. Uh, I'm going to do a one run. And then um, we'll sit down, talk about it, and see if it's going to be something that we're going to keep. And if not, then not. And if it is, then it is. But uh, it's difficult times right now trying to um, coordinate and stay afloat because uh, – I don't want to go back on the Serb people. I don't want to go back on whatever improved Serb, new Serb. Man, restricting me to making under $2,000 a month is literally, uh, you know what I mean? It's not even the full amount of what my bills are. And I'm just like, fuck it, I won't survive on that shit. And so, you know what I mean? I got to make a... Uh, I gotta, I gotta make some shit happen. So we'll see. Um, oh fuck! Look at that. I'm so self obsessed with myself. Uh, I didn't even announce or talk about, which I briefly will talk about, but not too much because you know everybody in the world is talking about it. Uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Uh, they are now the new president and vice president of the United States. And a lot of people are conflicted because of the fact that, let's be honest, uh, Joe Biden is not exactly the person that <laughs> we were hoping for. I, it just kind of shows you how corrupt shit is, though, because everybody knows that Bernie Sanders would have been the guy. You know what I mean? Bernie Sanders was that guy in every 80s movie who uh, the girl overlooked that would have given her the world, but she wouldn't give him his heart. You know what I mean? Like, that's who Bernie was. He would have gave America the world, but America just wouldn't turn over their heart because their heart is fucking money and greed. Money and fucking greed. But either which way, uh, it's still pretty awesome to say that this is a, a historic time um, where now the vice president is the first ever black woman uh, to be vice president, first ever woman to be vice president. And... Uh, 
let's be honest. A lot of people think that uh, Joe Biden's going to die <laughs> and that she will be the first black female president. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know if Joe going to make the whole four term, four year term, man. I don't know if he's going to make it. He's what, 74 years old or 76 years old. If he makes it through the entire, the only person that could survive being in power that long is the Queen of England. And that bitch has to be evil. There's no way around it. She's, <laughs> people are dropping like flies. Alex Trebek, oh my God, fucking Jeopardy. He's gone, people. He's gone at 80, right? Queen of England still fucking hanging on at 90 some odd years, right? Uh, um, uh, what's his name? Sean Connery, the great Sir Sean, was knighted by the Queen. <laughs> dead. He's dead too. The Queen still fucking going strong. Something is up, man. There's no way this woman can live this long. I don't care how many times you chant long live the Queen. It doesn't exactly commit to your health. There's got to be some evil shit going on some back doors. Because she's outlived everybody. But I don't think Joe Biden has the same hookups and old money that the queen has. So I don't think he going to make the four years. And if he dies, it'll be I. It, it's funny because I think people will celebrate the same way they celebrated when Trump left, got kicked out. <laughs> You know what I mean? When Trump, how bad is that? How fucked up is the country that people were dancing in the streets like it was Wizard of Oz? Like they were like, ding dong, the man is dead. Witch old witch, the wicked witch. Like they were celebrating. If you ever did a job so, and it's funny because on the opposite side, you have half the country celebrating, half the country literally in tears, crying. That they are like, I, how much do you hate black people? That you're like, I don't want to have to hide that I'm racist. I don't want to have to go back to pretending to like black people. Fuck this shit. Man, it's crazy, man. The the America, I don't, uh, I'm sorry to say this, but I don't think uh, the racism issue in America will ever, will ever be fixed. I just don't see it being fixed. There's too much trauma. Uh, there's too much hatred there's too much prejudice there's too much racism you know what i'm saying people are painting uh each other with the same brush so it's like it but they only paint the negative so if a white person did something bad it's like we put it on all white people and vice versa if a black person does something bad it's all black people but when somebody does something good it's it's just given an individual status and until we uh, give everybody an individual status because that's what we should do, which is look at humans as individuals, then we will continually uh, see each other as as enemies and as foes. Um, so it, it sucks. Uh, but, uh, you know, progress comes in little, stop, little steps, not leaps and bounds. So um, uh, good on you. Uh, but now, like we said, it's, um, it's time to see that change though. Now that you're in, people want to see some shit happen. So there gotta be something done about these police. There's gotta be better training. There's gotta be better options. You know what I'm saying? They shouldn't be using, um, uh, they should be using, they don't mean more social workers or, or people to help with non, non-violent threats and situations 
because the way that the police be dealing with people is just completely unacceptable. They just showed in Calgary, this guy face slammed a black woman into the floor and then said, I didn't I didn't mean to do that. And here's the thing that's crazy. This didn't just happen yesterday. This shit happened in September and we're only hearing about it in November. So this woman got brutalized. Can you imagine being brutalized in September and then the whole world says nothing for October? Like there's no nothing. And it only when uh, the video comes out do you you find justice. But the entire time when you were saying these things, you found nothing but deaf ears. And that's what I fucking hate because I've gotten beaten up by cops. And I can promise you if it was on tape, uh, it was way worse than what happened to that black woman. It was way worse. It was four cops, and they fucking beat the shit out of me for no reason. I wasn't even under arrest. And uh, so um, I, I I can only imagine the, the, the frustration it is for all the people who were unfortunate uh, to have been assaulted uh, by police officers and not... Uh, had the luck of having a video camera record it all. So, um, you know what I'm saying? Biden and Kamala, I know you guys have some shady past and some shady, uh, you know, things that you guys have done, but uh, if there's ever been a time for redemption, this is it. So let's see, let's see what happens in that, in, in, in these, uh, in starting in January, of course. So please remember that they don't get into office until January 20th. That's their first day on the job. So between now and January 20th, uh, there's going to be a lot of people blaming and yelling and complaining about things like, oh, but it's like, no, it's still the same fucking Trump. He's still there. He's still the one there. OK, it's it's you know, what I mean, he's finishing out his term. And I just hope that they don't try to sabotage the country on the way out. You know, what I mean, treated it like a like that angry ex on the way out of your house and she fucks up all the pictures and kicks down all the fucking your vase, even though, you know what I mean? That's your mama's vase. Why'd you kick it? She had nothing to do with this shit. Get out. Uh, we'll see how that works. Um, and uh, yeah, man. Fuck, yo. Yo, winter is back, Edmonton. I don't know where you are in the world, but we had a foot of snow. A foot of snow, and it's cold as shit. Like, it... It was plus like 11 degrees a few days ago and like winter came in like like literally like the air blew a load on us just poof uh, and <laughs> and just fucking white shit all day. Uh, it's negative 14 degrees Celsius today and a foot of snow outside. And of course, I hate driving in this weather, not because of the weather, but because it never fails that every fucking snowfall, every first snowfall, everybody in the city acts like they forgot what snow was. And they drive like idiots, like absolute idiots. And I just drove the other day to pick up my daughters and uh, spend the day with them. And um, there was cars and trucks in the ditch all along the route, nonstop. Like every every two or three kilometers, you'd see a car in the ditch. And it's every year, every year. And it's always the same thing. Huge accidents. It's annoying. Like people, man. I just, this is why I want to buy an island. All right? There's too many fucking people, okay? 
and there's just no there's no saving dumb people. They reproduce like rabbits, and they fucking get driver's license really easily, and then they crash on the first snowfall. You know what I'm saying? You know what they should fucking do? They should make it be where if you get into an accident, you lose your car. How amazing would that be? How amazing would that be if you got into a car accident and it was your fault, you lost your car forever. You're not allowed to drive ever again. First of all, that would take all those. We all know that one person that gets into an accident every two years. We know that person exists. And every two years they get into an accident and they give them another fucking car. You know what I'm saying? Uh, We definitely would be better off because it's like, oh, my God. Well, what if I got into an accident? No, you wouldn't get into an accident because you would drive way fucking safer. You know what I'm saying? You wouldn't even have to put speed limits up. People would be like, I don't want to get into an accident because then I'll never get to drive again. And if they did get into an accident, they're never going to drive again. And it's just like we have a nation of people who can't fucking drive and the bus systems would be fucking better and uh, the roads would be clear. So it may sound harsh, but it'd only be harsh if you fuck up. You know what I'm saying? You got to treat your license like you treat your life. You only get one. Uh, not like this fucking where motherfuckers got nine lives. Like there were cats hanging out in the fucking alley. You know what I'm saying? We need to do something. But yeah, winter is here. I fucking hate winter. Uh, I'm not a winter guy. I know there's a lot of people who are like, I love winter. Winter's pretty to look at, but it sucks to be with. You know what I mean? It's like dating a girl who's like really pretty, but always posting her pictures on social media because it's like, oh, my God, she's so pretty. I'd love to look at her. But then when you date her, it's just fucking misery. You know what I mean? And I and uh, I mean, that's kind of a generalization. I don't know why I attacked women on social media like that. But you know what? We all know that there's somebody out there like that. And that's who I'm talking about. Uh <laughs> I do want to buy an island, though. I, anybody who knows me knows I'm not joking about that. Like, uh, step one, I, I gotta, I'm gotta. i trying to improve my credit. So my credit at uh, the beginning of January 2020 is embarrassing. It was 585. My credit score is 585. You can't buy a fucking island. You can't get a bank account opened with a 585. Yeah, did you know they check your credit score when you go to open a bank account? How fucking crazy is that? Like, why do I, you got to check my credit just to hold my money? You know what I'm saying? But anyways, um, fucking banks are evil. Um, but yeah, um, my credit score was ridiculously low. It was an embarrassingly low 585. And so I was like, okay, step one is let's get a good credit rating. Because as fucked up as this may sound, good credit is better than cash nowadays. Because uh, if you have cash, you can't buy a house. They'll be like, yeah, that's great that you got the cash, but you still got to apply for the mortgage. It's a stupid fucking process. It's basically, you know what I mean? All these rich fucking bankers and people, they don't want to let loose the reins of power. So they put things in place where you got to pay your tithings to the devil. Uh, but once you make enough money, you can find your way out the system as long as you don't become the devil himself. Uh what I mean by that is, I'll get into that another day. Point is, um, my credit score today is 695. So my goal is by September of next year that I'm at 750. And then uh, by 2022, I'm at 800. 
and 800, of course, is a perfect score. Once I'm in the 800, now you start working on, okay, I have the credit. The credit allows me to uh, get loans, mortgages. It allows me to move, right? Now what you do is start uh, utilizing your credit to make profits. So like, for example, I could apply for a small loan that would allow me to put on a show that would then generate income. I pay back the loan. I take the profits. I put the money to the side. Um, when I have enough of the profits, the profits become the money that I use to put on the shows. And then instead of borrowing from the bank, now I'm just using borrowing from the company myself and using that income, right? And so now you have the 800 credit score and now you're building up the income. And once you have enough money, right, you now have the money and the credit score. You put that as your, uh, this is what, uh you know, represents me, you'll be able to get a larger loan, a better mortgage, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And now you can fucking go and uh, put the down payment on an island. And then you, you know what I mean? Once I put the down payment on the island, people, it's on. Like, I am not buying a house. I'm not buying no expensive cars, nothing. I'm not doing anything, uh, until I put that money down on the island. You know what I'm saying? I'm getting a fucking island, people. Watch. I promise you guys. To my dedicated listeners, you pay attention to how I move within the next three years. Because you know what? I'm not going to quit doing this podcast. I know I only have 40 listeners. But you know what? I fucking love my 40 listeners. And one day, it'll probably get back up to 56. And who knows? Maybe even more. But even if it's just us 40. If it's just us 40 fucking lunatics hanging out, listening to me talk for fucking however undetermined amount of time. Right? We're going to watch growth happen. We're going to see shit go down. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be like the backstage pass to the future of my ridiculous career. Um, so uh, stay tuned with me. Stay rocking with me. Step one, let's get a good credit score. All right? Step two, let's build uh, the income. Step three, we go island shopping. All right? That's my process. I'm going to do it. I'm just trying to buy an island so that I just feel like there's too much hatred, too much racism, too much homophobia, too much, it's too much hurt, too much pain. The system is poisoned. And if you try to fix the system, the same people that you're trying to help will be the first ones to hang you. And so instead of trying to fix uh, this system, I will create a new one. <clears throat> I know I just sounded like uh, a lunatic, but I mean, fuck it. I am. So <laughs> I just want a place where my babies and my grandchildren have something that they could call their own and that people uh, of like-minded, uh, you know, like-minded like myself, uh, you know, who are all about love and not about, uh, you know, the oppressive dollar and holding people down and shit like that uh, can work and live together. That's just what I want, man. I just, you know what I'm saying? that's all I'm asking for. I, just, I, I I feel like it's possible. I don't feel that I have to live in a world that is consumed by hatred and greed. And uh, I can create one differently. So as uh, overly optimistic as that sounds, I'm doing it for the future. I'm doing it for my babies. My little twin girls and my son, uh, my twins. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember, on a long time ago on a podcast, I was with um, 
uh, uh, Misha Porter uh, for uh, such a pretty podcast. And uh, she asked me, you know, how many, what's the max amount of women I would ever want? And I'm like, listen, if I had the choice, if it was four women, I mean, sorry, if it was a bunch of women who are like, we consent, we all love you and we all love each other and we all want to be together in a relationship, the max I would take is four, right? And I said that on the podcast. Um, my daughter, <laughs> my daughter uh, was talking to her mother on FaceTime and she said the strangest thing. She looked at her mother and she said, I have four husbands and I'm the boss. Bye. And walked away from the phone. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Cause I'm like laughing. Cause I'm like, she is the same. That is definitely my daughter. That is, that is the reincarnation of me. Like this little lunatic is a female version of me. Uh, she gets, she has the crazy in her eyes. She just stated the exact number of husbands that I said I would have for wives, and she's the boss. And I know people are like, why would you want your daughter to have four husbands? Because she's the boss, bro. She's killing the game. I don't give a fuck. If my daughter had four husbands, I'm like, how did you pull that off? You are the fucking champ. <laughs> You've got fucking brother wives? That is hilarious. My daughter's already... <laughs> <laughs> the fruit of my loins is already deciding that she's going to have brother wives. Fuck yeah, I'm supporting that. I will support the shit out of that. It's going to be hilarious. So, anyways, we'll see how that rolls out. We'll see. I can't wait to see the more she grows. You know what I mean? These kids, man, if you if you have kids, uh, foster their creativity, man. They're, they're beautiful little bastards and... Oh, my God. They're going to be a better place in the future. But we got to, you know what I mean? Keep the soil fertile so that they can fucking, you know what I mean? Plant their four husbands or whatever. But anyways, man, uh, I'm going to get the fuck up out of here. Uh, we got the podcast out on Friday. Uh, we're going to try again. Like I said, I'm just trying to make it consistently on Thursday. You know what I mean? We're going to, you know what I mean? Like I said, now that all that crazy shit is gone, uh, we're going to definitely try to make it be where it's every Thursday. So I'm hoping that you guys are getting this on Thursday right now. If it's Thursday and you're listening to it, success. Uh, thank you guys again, man. My dedicated 40. You know what I mean? I really appreciate that you guys are fucking with me uh, through the thick and the thin. You know what I mean? This is episode 21. We're 21 episodes in and over half a year done. And uh, you know what I mean? I feel really connected to, y'll, to you guys. And uh, I, I like the growth. I like what we're going through, man. We're doing shit. Um, shout out to my fans and friends and comedians that listen to this podcast and write me. And you know what I mean? I fucking love when you guys write me and you write Dedicated 40 or Dedicated 56 you guys have no idea how much i love that so um thank you guys man thank you you know what i'm saying this is the beginning stages you know what i mean when people look at joe rogan or bill burr or whoever the fuck you listen to they're 10 12 13 15 years into the game i'm not even i'm 21 episodes in so the fact that you 40 are rocking with me means the world to me thank you guys this has been another episode of the Comedy Reject Podcast. I'm Sterling Scott, and I'm out of here.